I'm excited to share this morning. I was very excited watching this object lesson. I was sitting back there in one of the rows trying to work out the physics of it. It's just how my brain works. Bit of a science lesson, nothing like that to get us started. And I confess I also am going to start with a bit of a science lesson, because if you give me a microphone, that's what I'll do. So I want to talk to you this morning about DNA. Uh, did you know, I won't go into too long because I know my biology students will be getting out their notes now and be getting ready to take some, some notes. I don't want to go there, um, but I want to do a few quick facts about DNA. So uh, did you know that all humans share 99.9% of their DNA? Doesn't matter which country you're from, doesn't matter whether you're male or female, doesn't matter, 99.9% of your DNA is the same as mine. And that 0.1% difference gives us all the wonderful variety and diversity that we have around the world. That's really cool. I love that. Did you know that DNA has this fancy shape? It's called a double helix or a twisted ladder. And that the rungs on that ladder are made up of only four different, we call them nucleobases. Four different bases. Biology students write this down. Cytosine, guanine, adenine, and thymine. There'll be a test. <laughs> now, out of those four basic blocks, we can write the recipe, if you like, for an entire human. And in fact, in 2016, scientists managed to read the recipe. They wrote it out. More than three billion base pairs in every human. If I was to write the book out and line the books up along the front of the stage here, it would be the equivalent of 200 Bibles long for one human. Wow. And we've written it all out. You can go and look at it. We don't know what it means yet. We know some bits. But that's really exciting. When God created us, He was able to use four simple building blocks through a code that's three billion base pairs long and to come up with huge diversity, to come up with all the gifts and the talents and the wonderful people that are out there. That really excites me. I'm going to try not to get into a whole lesson on DNA. But this month, why am I talking about DNA? This month, we are talking about the DNA of us as a church. What does it mean for us to be a church? How are we designed? How should we work what should the recipe like? What should the code be like for church? And we have four DNA statements that sort of guide us. Last week, uh, Amber preached up a storm about we invite people. Ah, the irony. I was expecting to be preaching to a full house this morning because everyone had invited someone. <laughs> so if you've been invited to the service and you're at home, welcome. You are invited. This morning, uh, I'm going to get to speak about the second one, we welcome as family. <laughs> we welcome his family. It's like our second house rule. Let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. What an honor that you would choose us, that you would call us your sons and daughters. Lord, I pray for people that are at home at the moment. Um, if they're unwell, Lord, I pray for healing. We know that you are the God of healing, that you can restore. You know all three billion base pairs, Lord, and you can put them back perfectly. Lord, I pray you would heal people. 
Lord, I pray that as we're at home listening to this this morning, that we would encounter you. Lord, if just one person could meet you this morning, that would make it all worthwhile. I pray, Lord, you would introduce yourself to people this morning at home. And Lord, for those of us that have been coming to church for a while, I, I pray for fresh revelation and understanding of how you want us to behave, how you want us to be your church, how we can represent you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You see, Jesus was pretty clear about how we should treat other people. He said in Matthew 22, uh, someone, a lawyer came to him. God loves lawyers. A lawyer came to Jesus trying to trick him, and he said, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Because in the Old Testament law, there were more than 300 commandments that people needed to follow all the time. And so he tried to trick Jesus, said, which commandment is the greatest? And I love this. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus was saying, you can take all those other laws and you can sum them up. The, uh, the Greek word means you can bring them to, the, to a head by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's a common verse. We see it on bumper stickers. We see it on t-shirts and posters. And for some of us in the church, we've heard it many, many hundreds of times. But have you really stopped and thought about it? What does it mean to love our neighbor as ourself? Jesus went on in John 13. He said, a new command I give to you. This is not an option. Love one another. As I loved you, so you must love one another. And get this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How are people supposed to know that we're Christian? How are people supposed to know that we're the church? It should be recognizable because of how we treat one another, because of how we love one another. In the early church, they had a pretty clear model of what this would look like. You see, if, if we were way back in biblical times, we wouldn't be meeting in an amazing building like this. We wouldn't be online, hadn't invented Tintinet yet. Uh, that we wouldn't have slides and microphones. We would have been in someone's house. It would have been in someone's home. And in Acts, it tells us what it was like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, if you're new this morning, fellowship is a fancy word that means to hang out, to spend time together. I remember as a teenager, I invited my best friend to come along to youth group and to church. And he came along and I was so worried. And at the end of the service, he said, man, they use some fancy words. And we had to sit down and unpack what these fancy words were. So if I use those this morning, I'll try and explain them. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they basically went to someone's house. They had some food. They prayed and they talked about what it meant, what Jesus was teaching. 
In verse 44, it said, All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Wow, that is some radical generosity. I've been thinking about this over the week. At this church, if you have needs, I'm going to say this, I'm going to speak this out. If you have needs, practical, real-world needs, I'm not talking about highfalutin spiritual needs, I'm talking about you have practical needs, then the resources of this church are here to help. I'm getting a thumbs up. The resources of this church are here to help. We are not just here because we want to get you to meet God. Of course we want you to get to meet God. That's the most important thing. But if you have real needs in your house, if you need someone to come and collect your groceries or do a contactless drop-off, we can do that. Okay, That's what we're about. That's what the church is about. And then it says, they broke bread in their homes. <laughs> My son loves this. They took the bread and they broke it. They made an enormous mess. Oh, they, that means they sat down and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, church was a place you wanted to go to. It wasn't scary for new people. It was a place where they were welcome where their needs were met, both physical and spiritual. And the focus was on praising God, on learning about Jesus' teachings, and on fellowship. That sounds cool. That sounds like a place I want to be. See, they were in a world, and I wonder if you recognize this world, where they were taught that how wealthy you were mattered. That determined whether you got a nice seat or a poor seat. Yeah, your social standing determined whether you got a voice or not. It was a society, actually, it's remarkably similar to the one we live in now. And church was supposed to be different. In church, there was no hierarchy. In church, it didn't matter whether you were rich or poor, yeah, whether you were Jewish or not, whether you were slave or free, you were welcome. And Paul, who was one of the apostles, he was emphatic about this. He even went to battle with one of his fellow apostles when Peter got it wrong. He called him out in public. And there are a couple of books in the Bible that really preach and teach about this. Paul wrote letters to the church that he planted in Galatia and Ephesia, the Galatians and the Ephesians, and he wrote to them because they were putting up barriers to people coming into the church. There were hurdles you had to jump. Yeah, if you wanted to be part of the church, oh, well, that's cool, but you've got to do this and this and this. And Paul wrote to them, and, and he, was, he was emphatic about it. In Ephesians, he says, He came, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Through Him, we both have access to the Father. By one spirit. And get this, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. Yeah? Doesn't matter where you come from. Here, you are a member of the household. I remember as a teenager, I would 
be quite happy to invite my friends over to my house. Because I knew when they come over, my mum would give them some food and something to drink, you know, and we could hang out and have fun together, and my friends would like to come and visit my house. And I had friends, I would love to go to my friend's place. Yeah, some of my friends had great food. As a, as a teenage boy, I was interested in food. You know, we'd go and hang out there, and their parents were kind and treated me as though I was one of the house, as though I belonged there. Imagine if instead of saying, you're invited to church, if we said, want to hang out for a coffee? Want to come around for lunch? Imagine if church feels like that. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want a place where people can feel that welcome. But he goes, Paul goes further. In Romans, he says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You don't just get to come to church. God calls you his son or his daughter. That's a game changer. If we are his children, then we are his ears. Ears is a fancy word. It's one of those words. That means we get an inheritance. We are co-ears with Christ. If we suffer with him, we may also be glorified with him. And for the Christians that are online, you may remember what Jesus was promised as his inheritance. The nations. Well, when we come to church, when we come into relationship with God, we become a son and a daughter of God. And we are co-inheritors. We're part of the family. We even become part of the family of Abraham, that original family that God created. In Galatians, it says, all nations will be blessed through you. We are justified by faith and made part of the family. So, if you're new here this morning, I want you to know you're welcome. I want you to know the resources of the church are here to support you, that the people here want you to feel welcome. And I know you're at home. <laughs> Maybe once COVID is, is done, we would love to have you here. If you're a Christian, you have been for a while, you may feel like, ah, oh, yeah, I know this. And we had a great word this morning about having our eyes refocused. Yes, our eyes have been opened. We're in relationship with God. Praise the Lord. But can we get a new focus this morning? I want to ask you a tough question. When someone comes to our church, before they meet God, they meet you. What's their experience? It's a hard question. I ask myself that. Yeah, before someone meets God in this place, they're going to meet us. We were created to be the image of God, to represent Him. That's a big call. God trusts us enough. Thank you, Lord. He trusts us enough to let us represent Him. We need to be careful about how we do that. And I do believe, it's why I come to this church, I believe this church is a unique place. Here you can meet God. You can spend time in His presence together with other people. You can fellowship. You can share your joys and your troubles without judgment. It's not just like a family here. It is a family here. And so I'd like to just think this morning, what makes a great family? Now, I know that not every experience of family out there is amazing. 
You know, there's hurt within families because within families we make mistakes. And we make mistakes here. I make mistakes. But we are family here. And so this is what it means for us as a church to be a family. And if you go to our house, we have a sticker on the wall. I don't know if you've got one of these. In our house, we do family. And this is, you know, these things that come. And so I thought, well, what if we had a sticker on the wall here at, at Elam? What does it mean for us to do family? I think it would have this. In our family, we do fun. Yeah, Church is fun. And you didn't see this morning, but we have this cool segment at the start of church where we give out chocolate. That's a win straight away. Where we celebrate the things that have gone on in people's lives. Birthdays, anniversaries, getting certificates, passing biology exams. Uh, whatever it is, we celebrate those things. That's what a family does. I can ring my mum this afternoon and celebrate the tiniest little thing that has happened in our family, and I know she'll be excited. That's cool. That's what family is. We do fun. In this family, we want to be radically generous. When you come here, we don't just say we care. We really care. And we really care about practical things that matter. Uh, we, I, I can speak, being a teacher here at the school, we've got a number of our families that are isolating, uh, either because they have COVID or just because people in their family have. And I was really excited. I had nothing to do with it, but I was really excited to see that uh, some of the uh, supporters from the church and people within the school had put together these amazing little care packages. And they were taking them out and contactlessly delivering them to families that were isolating. And I watched one of the families on Facebook un unbag this bag and take out the goodies. And I thought, yes, it's going to be some, some work for school. Yes. No, they, they pulled out like uh, a bubble games and, and fancy pens and uh, yeah, some tissues and, you know, health-related things, honey. And it was amazing. And I thought, that's so cool that people cared enough to make that little package and then hand deliver it. And I honor the people that did that. That's what happens in this place. In this church, we do 360-degree honor. What does that mean? It means we don't do hierarchies. There's no listing of these are the most important people, and they will sit in the front row, and then you will sit based. No, it's none of that. When I do the, the tour with new families to the school, I say, this is the church, and you can sit wherever you like. Yeah? Socially distanced. <laughs> There's no hierarchy. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter much how much money you have, what your job title is. You are just as valuable here as anybody else, because God chose you on purpose for a purpose. He chose you. He needed you. He wanted you as part of the family. We honor that. Everybody is honored here. We want you to come here. We want to share life with you, and we want you to have hope and a purpose. It's not just written on the wall. It literally is written on the wall, but it's not just written on the wall. It's real. In this family, we make mistakes. <laughs> I, I wasn't actually wanting the water to fall, but part of me is going, what's going to happen if the water falls? 
this yeah, this would be great. Uh, you know, I love it when we, you know, we, we make some fun mistakes, and sometimes we make some mistakes that aren't fun. We do that in families. Yeah? And we own our mistakes, and we ask for forgiveness, and we restore when we make mistakes. It doesn't matter. Uh, I know you might feel like coming to church for your first time, but I've made too many mistakes. God can't use me. Yeah? There's too much hurt in my life. God can't use me. I want to tell you this morning, God can use you. God wants to use you. God loves to use broken people. He can restore your life. He, he will forgive faithfully things that have gone wrong. He can heal hurts, and He wants to use you. In our family, we love unconditionally. It doesn't matter what has happened. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't preclude you from being part of this family. And we do that because Jesus first loved us that way. All of us, we're no better. We were broken, and we came to know Jesus, and He restored us. It's the greatest thing that has happened in my life, and I've had many great things. If you get to meet Jesus today, even if it's from the comfort of your own home and on the couch, that's going to be the greatest day of your life, and I pray for that. Now, I was thinking about the early church. When they did uh, hospitality, they did it seriously, and I wonder if you know about this. I would just put that next slide up for us. In the Greek and uh, Roman times, they had this word, philoxenia. It's a Greek word. It means the love of guests. And it wasn't just a little thing you did. This was, a, this was a serious matter. How you treated your guests reflected the honor of your family, your reputation. Everything was wrapped up in this. And there were really specific, detailed rules around how you did it. Yeah, the, the guest was to be respected, welcomed, and treated well. Didn't matter if you were a king, a beggar, a merchant, whatever you were, the first thing that you would do when you welcomed a guest in your home is that you would make sure they were cared for, that they were safe, that they were welcome. You would give them food and drink. Yeah, they would be able to take time to rest. Before we got to business, we did that. We would share our stories. And before we got to the real crux of why that person was visiting, we became friends. And when that guest left your home, you would even give them the resources they needed to get to the next place where they could be welcomed. And Jesus knew that this was the culture of the time, and, uh, and so he would instruct his disciples in how to go about going out and preaching the word. It was taken so seriously because they had this thought. It's in Hebrews. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Imagine that. Imagine that. It got me to thinking the little things that we do and the little things that we say. I was trying to think back, how was it that I got saved? And I can remember a particular church service where I finally got, you know, said the words and gave my life to Jesus. But in the build-up to that, there were lots of little words that people had planted in my life. Friends that have said, hey, why don't you come along to youth group? 
you know, pastors that had just dropped little words that had resonated with me that finally brought me to meet Jesus. You know, maybe when you turn up at church and someone offers you a coffee, maybe that's the moment. Imagine if that was it. I'd want to serve the best coffee I could in the best way I could. I'm sure Tom would be right behind that. So Jesus said, when he was sending out, sending out his disciples, he said this. This is quite interesting from Luke. He said, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. You don't need stuff when you go out there. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Jesus knew about the rules of hospitality. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. You know, they weren't to go into a house and go, this is quite good, but mm, that's a nicer house. Thanks, we'll go next door. They were to go where they were welcomed and shown hospitality. And in return, they then had responsibilities. Heal the sick who are there. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. What happens if they weren't shown hospitality? Verse 10, when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. It was a public declaration, you know, banging the, the dust off your shoes. We're not welcome here. Okay, we'll go. Now, people that are in church all the time, when someone comes to our church, if we get it wrong, what happens? They don't come back. They go out and they say publicly, wasn't welcome in that place. That does damage. It is so important that we get this right. So important that we welcome as families. You see, Everybody is welcome in the church. Not every behavior was welcome. I know when I go to my mum's house, yeah, you can have food. <laughs> I joke with my dad. You can have whatever's in the fridge, dad. There's nothing in the fridge. You can have whatever's in the fridge. But in our house, we eat at the table. Yeah, you're welcome. Come on in. In our house, we leave our shoes. We take our shoes off before we come in. There were rules. There are behaviors. Yeah, the reason we had those phylloxenia rules was to make sure that people were safe and welcome and protected. So yeah, we don't have every behavior welcome in church because we need people to be safe here. It's the same in school. We have rules and students love to rail against the rules. Why is it this many earrings and not that many earrings? Why do I have to wear shoes in this place but I can have my shoes off in this place. And I said, don't get wrapped up in the rules. We want rules because when we have rules, we know what's expected of us. We can relax. <sighs> we know what is safe. I went to a, a conference yesterday. I was invited to a conference and I was driving out to this conference. It was out in Seddon and I was really anxious. I was like, wow, what is going to happen uh, am I going to be asked to stand up? Will I be asked a question and I won't know the answer? Am I going to look stupid? Have I worn the right things? Have I got everything? I was really worried, almost to the point of turning around and going home. 
But I didn't. I went to this conference. And I walked in the front door, and there was this young man, and he welcomed me. He said, it's great to have you here today. Here's where you can put your stuff. Here's where you, you can sit. This is the plan of what's going to happen today. And all that anxiety left me because I understood what was expected. I understood what was going to happen. And I was able to relax and really enjoy the day. Learned heaps. So we have these rules to allow us to know what's going on. Now, we have very few rules here. You see, when we invite someone to church, it can feel daunting. I know it feels daunting to me because I'm worried when they come, what will their experience be? From the other side, it can feel daunting to come to church for the first time. They're going to use those big fancy words, and I won't know what they mean. They're going to stand up, and I won't know when to stand up or sit down. And they get, maybe they'll put their hands in the air, and I don't know whether I should do that or not. You know, heaven forbid, they might ask me to come up the front. Yeah, We're not going to do that. You're in your house. You don't have to worry about it. When you come to church here, you can sit wherever you like. You can stand up or sit down. It doesn't matter. You don't have to come out the front. No one's going to pick on you. You might get chocolate if you put your hand up <laughs> or if you've got something to celebrate. Let's sum it up this morning. Imagine if church, instead of feeling like, will you come to this place, felt like, do you want to go out for a coffee? We want this church to be a family. Not just to feel like a family, but to actually really be a family. And that means if you come here, we don't want you to have to waste energy feeling anxious, projecting an image, looking like you think you need to look. We want you to be able to relax and rest and hopefully meet God. We want you to spend time in His presence. That means at this church, we do fun, lots of fun. We are generous. We honor and value everyone as God's creation. We're going to make mistakes but we're going to put them right. We are going to try to live as the image of God that He created us to be. Want to join us? 